prayers are so powerful. So powerful. If you read your Bible, you will see people conquering nations through prayer. People defeating giants. Healing, deliverance. You'll see crazy things happening because people prayed. And Jesus says, men ought to pray. Men and women ought to pray. If you are human, you ought to pray. If you're God, don't pray. If you're God, you don't have to pray. But if you're men and women, you ought to pray. Okay? So, I'm going to teach you something on why we should pray, okay, and how prayer helps us. Because we have this notion, and I, I had this notion for a longest time, that I'm praying for God to do something. I'm praying for God to do something. And I want to change that. Prayer is not convincing God, because God is convinced. Prayer is not convincing God. Prayer is convincing your own heart. See, we think when you're praying, you know, you're praying with tears, emotional prayers, you know, Lord, have mercy. We think what we are doing is God is so grumpy and we have to change his mood by showing our tears, you know, how we manipulate our parents, you know, how kids do that. If they don't get anything, they will cry. And as soon as they get it, their tears are stopped. That's how we are with God. We think that it is our tears that is going to change his mood. So we think that through our prayers, through our tears, we will emotionally manipulate God into getting what we want. Like how kids manipulate their parents. Kids don't like me because I don't get manipulated so easily. But prayer is not about manipulating God. Prayer is about God changing your heart. Prayer is about God changing your heart. See, how many of you have Jesus? How many of you believe in Jesus? How many of you have the Holy Spirit? You believe in Jesus? So never be doubtful, okay? If somebody asks you, who, if you have the Holy Spirit, you should not be doubtful because if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in the gospel, you have the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, you cannot believe in the gospel. Okay? So if you believe in the gospel, that means it's a great evidence, sign for you that you have the Holy Spirit. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not prophetic, that's, those are different things. But the very thing that you know Jesus and you have heard of the gospel and you believe in the gospel is a good sign for you that you have the Holy Spirit. Right? Now when you receive the Holy Spirit, do you, do you receive partially or fully? Does God give you partially? Let me give you partially and then I'll give you, I'll see how faithful you are. How does God give us the Holy Spirit? Fully, in fullness. So each and every one of us has received the Holy Spirit in fullness. When we believed in God, we have received the Holy Spirit in fullness. Now, where did we receive the Holy Spirit? That is something that you have to understand. Okay? Now, don't mind my drawing, see it in faith, okay? So just imagine with me, this is your, this is your body, okay? Now inside your body, 
you have your soul. Now, your soul is, what is your soul? Your soul is your mind and your heart. Your mind is the thinking and your heart is the emotional mind. Or in other terms, they call it the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. But where do you have the Holy Spirit? Your Holy Spirit is inside the soul called, there's a place called spirit, which is your spirit. So you're not the body. Are you the body? You're not the body. You're not the mind. You're not the heart. You are a spirit being. You are a spirit being. You are a spirit being that has a mind. You're a spirit being that has a heart. And you're a spirit being that has a body. Okay? Now, the Holy Spirit is over here. That means you and the Holy Spirit have united like how husband and wife unite. Okay? In fact, marriage draws conclusion from your union with the Holy Spirit, not the other way around. Meaning, the oneness that you have with the Holy Spirit is much, 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 much stronger than marriage. So marriage should take an example from, oh, see how the Holy Spirit is one with you? See how Jesus is one with the Holy Spirit? That's how marriage should take an example from. But because we don't see that, we use marriage as a reference point to understand that how you are one with the Holy Spirit. You're one with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 verse 13 says, if you've heard the gospel, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That means you're no longer your spirit. Your spirit and Holy Spirit has become one being. How is that possible? Just like me and Betty have become one being. How did we become one being? Out of love. Okay. So where did you get the Holy Spirit? In your spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Is there anything that can separate you from the Holy Spirit? Absolutely nothing. There's no sin in the world that can separate you from the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has sealed this union. Because the blood of Jesus has sealed this union, there is nothing that can unseal the Holy Spirit from your life. That's why Paul says, until the day of redemption, you are sealed. Until Jesus comes back and you see Jesus, until your salvation is complete, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, are you guys with me? Awesome. Now, come with me to John chapter 4. I want to show you something. John chapter 4 verse 13. John chapter 4 verse 13 to 14. See, this is talking about the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, but in the analogy of water. So, look at what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but... Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What does this mean? Let me explain to you. What this means is Jesus is saying that when you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, the potential of the Holy Spirit is not just to remain contained within your soul. The potential of the Holy Spirit is that it has the power to 
to fill the entire universe. The Holy Spirit has the power to fill the entire cosmos. Forget universe, multiverses, cosmos. That Holy Spirit is inside of you. The Holy Spirit that has the power to fill the entire cosmos, that Holy Spirit is inside of you. Right? The reason why it's inside of you is not so that it can just remain contained. Yeah, give me some space, I'll stay there. It wants to stretch. See, rats live in small spaces, right? Cockroaches. The moment you switch on the lights, the cockroaches run in darkness and they're okay with limited spaces. Not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the capability, has the capacity to overwhelm the universe. Then what makes you think that the Holy Spirit cannot overwhelm your emotions? Cannot overwhelm your thoughts? Cannot overwhelm your body? Cannot overwhelm the condition of your body? So what Jesus is saying, that this water when you drink, it has the capacity to spring forth. Fountain. Fountain. Fountain of life from within you. Do you know that you already have eternal life? Where do you have the eternal life? Where is it? Okay. First timers who are coming to church, let me just tell you. Eternal life, don't wait for eternal life after death. Okay? Don't wait for eternal life after death. Eternal life is you have it the moment you receive Jesus. John 17, 3, Jesus said, eternal life is knowing God, knowing Jesus. Okay? So you have eternal life in you. You have the life of God in you. You have the kingdom of God in you. You have the righteousness of God in you. You have the peace of God in you. You have the joy of God in you. But where is it? It's all here in your spirit being. It's all here in your spirit. It has a capacity to overflow. From your spirit being to your soul, to your mind, to your heart, to your body, to your thoughts, to every single being that you have. In fact, in fact, you can, you can overflow to a point that the Holy Spirit can fill this place. See, today when we are worshipping God and we are saying, God, we experience your presence. It's not that God is coming down from heaven, like from up above heaven. God is coming out from within you and filling this place. Your body can feel the presence of God that is within you. So it has the power to overflow. Fountain. You have received 100% of the spirit. You're not charging your spirit because your spirit is charged up. But what you're charging is through the spirit, you're charging your heart. You're charging your mind. You're charging your body. You're charging your emotions. You're charging your thoughts. To have the same reality that the spirit of God has. So if, if your body is going through sickness and the Spirit of God inside of you has health, if the Spirit of God overflows, what happens? What happens? Sickness has no place. Sickness has absolutely no place. If in your mind you're going through depression and the Spirit of God overflows and floods your mind, what happens? Depression leaves, just like that. So you're already blessed with every spiritual blessing. Everything that you need for a good, godly life, you're already blessed. God does not need to, Gabriel, please open that door, that treasury, send him something. Please, he's been praying for 24 hours. No, he's already blessed you in the person of Jesus. 
In fact, Romans 8, Paul says, if God has given us Jesus, if he did not withhold his own son, how much more will he give us all things? So you have received everything in your spirit being. In the person of the Holy Spirit, you've received everything. It's done. It's taken care of. God has already blessed you. But the problem is we don't know how to access it. It's like you have a bank account that has 100 crores of rupees, but you have no idea how to access it. You forgot where your checkbook is. You forgot where your ATM card is. What a pathetic life. You know that you are a millionaire, but you have no ways to access it. That's how a Christian life is. God says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So a lot of people are dying. And a lot of people are going through sickness and depression. And I'm not trying to belittle all of that, okay? But for the sake of understanding how much we have, what God has already deposited within you, that's the gospel. The gospel is not for you to go to heaven. The gospel is for you to experience heaven right now, right here. Because you have the king of heaven inside of you. So that power that is within you has a potential to overflow has a potential to overflow. So why do we pray? We pray so that the heart can receive what the Spirit has. It is not for, you know, we're not trying to pray to convince God. We are praying so that we can convince our heart. Why are we praying? We are praying to convince our hearts. That's why, you know, in the pre-service, I was asking you, you should pray loudly. Not why should you pray loudly? There's, there's an importance in praying loudly. Because faith comes by hearing. So when you pray loudly, your heart is listening to what you're praying and faith comes. Because in your prayers, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. So your heart is blocking all the blessings of God, right? Your heart over here is blocking the blessings. of There's, there's a thick, thick, Borders. What are those borders? Guilt, shame, unforgiveness, rebellion. So your heart is blocking the blessings of God. It has a power to flow out, but because of all of these things, it is blocking out. So when you're praying with your mouth, as you are praying with your mouth, something happens to your mind and your heart. It begins to change. It begins to align itself with the reality of the Spirit. That's why pray loudly. At least pray to a point where your ears can hear. Your heart can hear. That's why the psalmist says, Oh my soul, sing out to the Lord. Praise His holy name. My heart cries out. But over here, we think we are doing God justice by waking up in the morning. What are you doing? I'm praying. I'm praying in my mind. Praying in my mind for what? God knows what you want. You're not convincing God. Convince yourself. See, when you're praying, you, you, you're confessing, God, you are good, you are good. Who are you, who are you telling? God. God, you are good. I know that you are good. I'm massaging your ego. Do something for me. God knows that he is good. But you're convincing yourself. God, you are good. God, you are good. 
So in spite of what is happening around me right now, I want to be in a reality. I want to unplug myself from this physical reality and plug myself into the spiritual reality where I know for sure that God is good. So your prayer might be in God, you are good. God, you are good. But then something in that prayer, your posture changes and you are confident, God, you're good. I know for sure, God, you're good. That is what prayer does. And that is why I'm asking you to pray. Because all that you need for a life of godliness, you are already blessed. You are already blessed. But as you pray, the Holy Spirit can overflow and flood your mind, flood your heart, flood your emotions, and flood your body with His presence. Can you believe it? That's the good news. So don't try to logically look at prayer. Huh, logically, what is happening? Can I tell you something? If you try to read your Bible with your logical mind, it will not make sense to you. Paul says, a natural mind cannot understand spiritual things. You need a spiritual mind to understand spiritual things. So get the logic out of the way. Especially when you're praying. Am I praying? What is this doing? I don't know. 10 minutes, yeah, maybe something is happening in heaven. Don't put your logic. It's how in a relationship, when you're talking to a person, when you're loving that person, you get lost in that relationship, get lost in prayer. Get lost in prayer when nothing matters. Nothing matters. And suddenly you realize, I'm clapping. Why am I clapping? I was praying. Don't care. I'm walking. I'm walking frantically. Why am I doing this? Don't care. Get lost in his presence. Gibberish is coming out. Just saying. Don't care. It's not gibberish. It's the spirit of the gift of tongues. The Lord is speaking through you. Mysteries. Mysteries. That no demon, no devil, not even your logical mind can understand. Good. You know why? You know why you need to make prayers that your logical mind does not understand? You, need to, you know why? Because you are your biggest hindrance. Because if your logical mind really understood what the Spirit of God was praying through you, you will not pray those prayers. <clears throat> I, I heard the story. There was somebody walking down the road and they saw devil crying and they asked him why are you crying and the devil says everybody blames me everybody blames me for everything that happens in their life i'm not even doing 30 i'm not even doing 70% of the stuff that they are blaming me for who is who is responsible you you are the biggest hindrance to your blessing your heart is the biggest hindrance to your blessing that's why the Holy Spirit starts speaking in tongues through you so that you will not understand what you're praying and you will say yes and amen and things will happen. Good things will happen. The best prayer that you can pray, okay, with your English words, the best prayer is, Lord, not my will, let your will be done. But do you know how difficult that is? It's the best prayer. You see, you read the account of 
you, you read the account of Jesus praying in Gethsemane. And you see how Jesus is dropping sweats of blood while he's praying that. So you see the tension, it's a struggle. Shows the humanity of Jesus. But in the end, he does believe, Lord, if it is your will, if this is your plan, I will do it. Prayer is you asking God to change your heart so that you can align your will with his will. Prayer is not enforcing your will upon himself. Lord, this is my will. This is my desire. This is the person I want to get married. This is what I want to do. Let me put it on you. Now do it. Not happening. Oh, let me build my faith. Prayer is aligning your will to his will. Yes? You want to make prayers that will always be 100% will bring result? Yeah? Come with me, First John. You're saying yes, God keep them accountable. First John. First John chapter 5. First John chapter 5 verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So John is saying, if you pray according to his will, whatever you pray will be given. If you pray according to his will, whatever you pray will be given. The best prayer that you can pray, Lord, not my will, let your will be done. Why are you praying that? Because you understand that you are limited in your thinking. Your desire, your will is limited in how much you can think for yourself. See, everybody thinks good for themselves, right? Everybody has, the, has good plans for themselves. But those good plans that you have for yourselves is limited because you see limited. You don't see a lot. You see limited. So you ask God who sees everything and you say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Because I know that you have the best for me. I know that you have the best intention for my life. So even if it doesn't make sense, I'm willing to surrender my will and get your will. Remember Genesis 22? Abraham going up the mountain with Isaac? Was it easy? No. It was not easy. Isaac was his future. His future plan, his retirement plan. Like in the Indian culture, right? Children's are the retirement plan. Isaac was his future. Everything that he has desired for, everything that he prayed for, he believed for it for 25 years. And God says, sacrifice him. And he's going up the mountain, believing in the goodness of God. God, I know that your will is good. Your will is good. See, it is the knowledge of God's will that gives us the strength to step out in faith. Let me tell you, if you want to walk in faith, you need to have the eyes of faith. Without the eyes of faith, you can't walk. And the eyes of faith is knowing God's will. 
See, when, you, when you're seeing, your eyes are limited to the capability of your vision, right? To the capacity of your sight. How much can you see right now? I can't see beyond the walls. I can't see beyond the door. My eyes are limited. Similarly, your faith is limited by the knowledge of God's will. So if you want to walk in more faith, if you want to pray in more faith, you have to know God's will for your life. That's what Paul says in Romans 12. He says, you know, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and test and approve that God's will for your life is good, acceptable and perfect. See, your will, your will can be good. Your will can be pleasing to you, but your will is not perfect. God's will is good. God's will is pleasing. God's will is perfect. But here's the thing. Here's the catch. Only a renewed mind can say that God's will for me right now is good, acceptable, perfect. It takes a renewed mind to say that. So why do you pray? You pray for a renewed mind. So that when, you're, when your mind is renewed, your renewed mind has access to the knowledge of God's will. Oh, I'm going through struggle right now. I'm going through a difficulty right now. I'm going through a problem right now. There's things that is happening that doesn't make sense. But when you're praying, you get access to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God renews your mind and in that you see God's will for you in that very moment. So you know that, yeah, there is sickness, but this is temporary. You know this is a problem, but it is temporary. The greater purpose of God is that this is, this is going to be a stepping stone for me to enter the next level of glory that he has for me. So pray. Pray so that your mind is renewed. Pray so that through the renewal of your mind, you will know God's will. And when you know God's will, you can step out in faith. Paul says we, we walk from faith to faith. Our lives are from faith to faith. How did we begin this life, Christian life? By believing in Jesus. But faith without action, without deeds is dead. What am I trying to say? See, let me explain to you. There was this person who could do tight rope walking. Have you heard of tight rope walking? They tie a rope between two buildings and the person walks on the rope it's a very difficult thing. I, I will not encourage you to do it at home. So this guy was doing tightrope walking and there were people and they were cheering for him. He did it a number of times and people were excited. My goodness. After some time, you know, he said, give me a heavy bag, let me carry. And he takes a heavy bag on his shoulders and does it. And everybody is excited. Yay, awesome. And then he looks at the audience and says, hey, how many of you trust me how many of you can believe that I can carry somebody on my shoulders? And everybody was like, yes, you can carry somebody on your shoulders. Yes, we believe that. Yes, that is absolutely possible. You can do it. If you can carry the bag, you can obviously carry somebody. So he says, okay, do you volunteer? And the person like, no, not me. Do you volunteer? No, not me. What was happening? They mentally agreed that he could do it, but they did not believe. Because if you believe, your mental agreement would enable you to step out in faith. See, we say we believe. See, if, if, if I talk to Christian folks and I say, how many of you believe in the Bible? Everybody will raise their hands. 
But if you truly believe this, we would be walking, talking, speaking, smelling, breathing like Jesus. The thing is, we are learning to believe. We are learning to believe. So our faith has to move from mental agreement. It has to move into action. You have to take steps of faith. Lord, I'm praying, I'm believing for my promotion, but I'm not doing anything about it. Not taking any steps. I'm not applying for interviews. I'm not preparing myself for aptitude. How is God going to bless you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have to take steps of faith. And you can only walk to the extent to what you see. See, when I'm talking about steps of faith, I don't mean living a good moral life. And I'm not trying to belittle that. It is beyond living a good moral life. Because when, Paul, when James talks about faith without action is dead in James chapter 2, he's taking two examples. One is Abraham, sacrifice of Isaac. The other example is of Rahab betraying her own country to protect the spies of Israel. In both, both in terms of morality, they don't stand. One is child sacrifice. The other one is treason. Okay? So doing good works in faith does not mean being a good person. Please understand that. It's beyond that. It means trusting God so that you can hear what God says and you do it. You leave your logical mind, you trust Him. It's like God says, I can walk on that tightrope. Are you willing to jump on me and trust me that I can take you through? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. All the people that you see in the Bible, these old Testament people who did crazy things, illogical things that they did. Does it make sense that you wave a rod in front of the sea and the sea splits? But just imagine if God tells you, hey, just wave the rod. Doesn't make sense. But unless you don't do it, unless you don't take that step of faith, it will not happen. God says, hit the rock or speak to the rock. Just imagine, okay? You are going and speaking to the rock. Water, come up. Everybody is looking at you. Everybody is there. And you're saying, water, come up. Does it make sense? Can I tell you something? You have to let go of your dignity in that sense. If you want to trust God and do what he says. If you're going to hold on to your credibility, you'll never be able to step out in faith. All of these guys in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they let go of their ego. I don't care. God told me to do it. I'll do it. Doesn't make sense. I don't care. He told me to do it. I'll do it. So know God's will. Believe that you have already received and step out in faith. You cannot do that without prayer. It's not possible. I'll show you one example. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying, right? He's praying. What is his prayer? Lord, not my will, but your will be done. He prays three times. And I believe every time he prayed for one hour each. Three hours he prayed. Huh? Lord, not my will, but let your will be done. Can I show you the result of that? On the cross, 
when he is dying, he sees none of his disciples are there. You know, I was, I was telling somebody, if I was there on the cross, you know what would be going in my mind? Man, what a failure. I started my ministry with such a bang. And then as years go, people left me. The crowds disappeared. I was left to 12. And now only one is here. And if I, because that's how we are, right? We go in this rabbit hole and it's like an endless loop. One negative thing leading to another. And you could think, am I really the son of God? These people are saying, hey, if you're the son of God, come down. Do I really need to prove myself right now? It's like an endless loop that you can think of, right? Isn't this what we do? We have one negative thought and then we go into another. It's like an endless cycle. We go on and go on and go on. It's an endless loop. But Jesus, even at the cross, he has the audacity to say, hey, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. You know why? Because in that prayer while he was praying, he had a renewed mind. And he knew that this was the will of God. And he understood, God, if this is your will, I'm sure for the joy that you have set before me, I will endure this cross. And even though he, on the cross he was beaten and bruised and you know, everything, he was stripped naked. But he still saw God, the goodness of God. He still saw the goodness of God. Three years of ministry. He did not, not think that it was waste. Nobody, none of his followers there. He did not think he was a failure. Why? Because he saw the goodness of God. You want to live that kind of faith irrespective of what is coming against you? Prayer. Because prayer renews your mind. Your mind, renewed mind, gives you access to knowledge of God's will. And that gives us access to walk out in faith, in confidence. In confidence. In confidence. I know for sure. I'm convinced without any doubt. You, you can't unconvince me. Because heaven has convinced me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is our prayer. You know, this is my prayer that this church will seriously dedicate time every day to pray. Just imagine with me, okay? Your next level of glory would be just one step away from your prayer. Just one step away. See, we don't know what's happening in prayer because a lot of this thing is happening in the invisible realm, right? To me, for example, I'll tell you, a lot of my prayers are making sense after a lot of years. Now I understand what I was doing five years ago. Couldn't understand that in the moment. The Lord will say weird things. Two o'clock, wake up, Sam, just pray. And you're praying, you're hoping that an angel will appear, hoping something, something, you know, money will come into your account. Nothing happened then. Absolutely nothing. And then the Lord says, sleep. Like, God, okay. Doesn't make sense. But five years down the line, you see what God was doing. You see the doors that were opening up. You see the destiny helpers that, that have come into your life to take you to the, your destiny. The connections that God was building. You have no idea what you're doing through prayer. So trust Him. 
Leave your logical mind. Trust in Him. So never, never lose out on an opportunity to pray. No matter where you are, never lose out on an opportunity to pray. If you, if you arrive to church early and they are praying, don't lose out on an opportunity. Oh yeah, I don't know what they are doing. Pray. It's a great opportunity for you to pray. Because every time you invest your time, you invest your energy, you invest your attention, what you're doing is that prayer is pulling you towards your destiny. It's accelerating you towards your destiny. Are you getting this? See, the, the unit of wealth is money. Right? So if you want to be wealthy, you need to have more money. The unit of your destiny is time. The more time you spend in prayer, it pulls you towards your destiny faster. It accelerates you. It's not wasting time. Every time you pray, you, ha you tell yourself, I'm not wasting time. This one hour is accelerating my life by many years. By many years with me striving, it is accelerating my life just by me praying in faith. If, you, if you've been journeying with this church, you'll know that our church has grown like, you won't call it natural. Because God does not move in natural speed. You know, He loves supernatural acceleration. Things change, things change, things change. So when somebody tells me, I got a promotion, you know, uh, unbelievable promotion, I tell them, yeah, that's good. But believe for another promotion in three months. Why? Because God is, God loves growth and anything that is healthy will grow. So you need to be healthy. Growth will happen. You don't tell a child, grow, grow. If the child is healthy, the child will grow. If the child is not growing, that means something is wrong, something is unhealthy. Our spiritual lives have to grow exponentially. Exponentially. Amen. May God bless you. What's the best prayer? Let your will be done. Let your will be done. And I know it is difficult, you know, as we pray, I know it is difficult to say, Lord, I have these desires, I have these plans, all these, you know, five-year goals that I've made. With respect to all of that, I trust in your will. I trust in your plan. I trust in your purpose for me. Let your will be done. So you might start saying it mechanically. You might not even mean it. But if you stay in that prayer long enough, the Holy Spirit will change your heart that you are confident. Yes, God, let your will be done. Let your will be done. For I believe that your will for my life is good, pleasing, and perfect. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for your life. And we thank you for what you are doing in and through us. We pray, Father, that you will give us the desire to pray, the burden to pray, and the submission to pray. I pray that you will flood our minds and our hearts and our bodies with the power and the love and the life of God that is within us. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you. We bless your holy name. You'll be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.